Welcome to Around the IT Block Podcast presented by HPE. I'm your host, the IT Oddfather, Calvin Zito. This is podcast number six, and this is the second in a series of three podcasts looking at workloads and HPE storage. In podcast number five, we looked at SAP HANA. In this podcast number six, we're going to look at SQL Server, and joining me to have that discussion is Mike Harding. Mike, great to have you on the podcast. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Well, I'm Mike Harding. I'm also a uh, product manager, solution product manager, uh, focused on the Microsoft area, uh, also in the storage BU. And uh, my scope is, you know, definitely includes, you know, databases, SQL Server, which we'll talk about today, but also other workloads like Exchange, uh, you know, Windows-related stuff, automation, and also now it's whole versioning area around uh, Azure. So Azure, Azure Stack. Uh, Azure Stack HCI, that sort of stuff. And Mike, and how long have do you been doing about, in storage? I was going to say, yeah, but well, storage, I don't know. Uh, definitely technology over 20 years anyway. So I've uh, been out here in the Valley doing this tech stuff for a while. Well, let's jump into this, Mike. You have been doing um, application-focused kind of solution marketing for a while, and you've been doing Microsoft since I can remember. Give us a feel for what's going on with Microsoft SQL Server. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've been uh, doing this actually for a few years anyway, uh, since my time here with HPE. I mean, the big things we are talking about in terms of like the the situation for our customers. I mean, first and foremost, I like to remind people that you know, despite all the stuff that, because there's definitely a lot of news and a lot of stuff out there in terms of databases and data and data management and everything else. I mean, SQL Server is still you know the dominant business database out there. You remind people that it's time well spent. They have that expertise. Half of companies are doing either SQL Server or some type of SQL database. But you know, this data just came out from IDC just recently, and I've been putting it in my presentations because I thought it was interesting. And of course, the IDC has changed the way they track the database market. But in this latest cut, you know, Microsoft is the leader with 30% share uh, over Oracle. Uh, and uh, I think the reason why they got ascendant is because they're now combining both the on-prem license as well as the um, the cloud-based stuff. So just kind of reinforces that. But closer to home, when we look at our install base, we look at you know what's running on our you know, the three par and nimble storage arrays, SQL Server is the number one application on there. So it's very important to us. You know, it's still important in the market, definitely still important to customers. As far as like the other big aspects of what's going on, new version came out recently, SQL Server 2019, lots of new complexities, things can, um, you know, customers are playing with now with, you know, containers, Kubernetes, um, using it as a platform for AI ML. So that's, that's something new. And you're engaged with some customers on that, you know, taking SQL Server as more of a scale out uh, approach and a means to be like a hub for both your traditional relational data, as well as now being able to use it to kind of reach out to big data, so to speak, right? MongoDB, things like that. And then the other thing is really just customers having to just think through just the whole cloud aspect. I mean, as it turns out, most of these instances we have running customer environments are very mission critical. And so these are probably one of the last things that customers are considering moving to the cloud. But it's where, you know, once every one of these, your refresh cycles, uh, customers are thinking about that again. You know, um, do we stay on-prem? Do we go to the cloud? So we have a lot of that sort of thinking. And that's a big, big situational aspect for our customers right now. So let's bring HPE into this discussion about Microsoft SQL Server. What are the kind of things that we're doing to differentiate our offering from an infrastructure standpoint? Yeah, why HPE, right? Um, Usually three things stand out. I mean, number one, you know, first and foremost, we can guarantee 100% data availability when they're running SQL Server on the 
um, Primera and now the Elettra uh, 9000 series. And that, you know, totally matches up with a lot, as I alluded to, a lot of the customers that are you know, running SQL Server, once they have on-prem now are progressively becoming more and more um, mission critical. So they really care about that. So that that's important. And we stand out there. The other thing is the way we can deliver performance. We can do it a lot of different ways. You know, traditionally it was with, you know, hybrid flash and all flash. And then we spun up a couple of solutions around storage class memory. Then we started offering NVMe media. Uh, and now, you know, just recently, right, we've launched a couple uh, all NVMe arrays. So whether, you know, the customer needs less latency or more IOPS or both, uh, a lot of ways to deliver that. And then uh, along that same thread, the idea of we have all the, we have quite a breadth of solutions. So we can serve pretty much any need that our customer has in terms of SQL Server. And that, you know, absolutely makes us stand out versus like, you know, the storage only guys, right? We can deliver a whole stack, but even there, even beyond that, just in terms of storage, we've, you know, spent the time to develop a lot of different solutions whether it's, you know, departmental or scale up or scale out, as I said, accelerated, you know, lots of different, you know, actual, you know, tested, validated, published solutions around SQL Server. Let's talk about the broad range of storage solutions that we have for uh, SQL Server. You know, sometimes people get overwhelmed because they think a portfolio just has too much in it. I think it's a good thing, but tell me a little bit about where you see things fitting within the storage portfolio. Yeah, you know, that's you know, I've never had that complaint in all honesty that we have we have too much stuff. It's always it's always the opposite. You know, we need something else. Storage infrastructure offerings for SQL Server. You know, starting at the top, the uh, you know SQL Server 2019 on first was HP Primera, now you know HP Elettra 9000 series. So that really is for pentultimate scale up, highly mission critical environments. So. You know, big healthcare organizations, governments, um, agencies, you know, they're running SQL Server on, on that platform. And as I said earlier, you know, 100% guaranteed availability. Uh, then we have uh, SQL Server on you know, HP Nimble and now the Electra, you know, 6000 series. So also definitely enterprise class, you know, once again, guaranteed availability. But uh, we also see a big use case here around mixed workloads. So it's SQL Server and then other workloads uh, along with that. Uh, and the cool thing about that data platform is it can produce, it can really deliver really consistent performance, you know, regardless of the different, um, you know, types of uses being thrown at it. Then beneath that, and this is really kind of more specific to uh, SQL Server 2019 big data clusters. So customers who are adopting that and doing that scale out approach. So there, it's going to be, you know, SQL Server in a container managed by Kubernetes. Uh, and they're looking to do things like, you know, move data out of more expensive environments like Oracle or maybe wind that down, but have, you know, SQL servers be this hub where they can use data virtualization to access these other data sources across uh, the organization. So they're doing that through big data clusters. Uh, SQL Server with storage class memory, I think I, I touched upon this too. So we, you know, teamed up with Intel, so Optane. Um, SSD cache. So it is a, uh, it's a nice kind of plug and play means to drastically reduce latency because you're just introducing this uh, cache, you know, hardware cache in the environment. So it's no additional administration. Uh, so customers are really need to reduce latency within a, especially like a, a old TP environment. Um, that's a great way to go. And then uh, last, but certainly not least, uh, SQL Server on our MSA. So we just rev that recently. So we have, you know, MSA Gen 6. So great price performance, you know, new features, things like uh, health check, things to make that even a more, you know, usable, but, you know, very performance and certainly a great price performance platform for SQL Server. 
benchmark numbers are you guys seeing with the testing you're doing with SQL Server with the 6,000 and the 9,000? Yeah, so we did, uh, well, we, we were able to get testing done on the 6,000 uh, and the approach we took, uh, because at least ever since I've been here, and I'm sure it's been going on long before, um, we've been doing our performance testing for SQL Server with the Data Warehouse Fast Track tool. And we're, you know, you know, in the past part of that program with Microsoft. Uh, and the good thing about using that tool um, is that it gives you uh, outputs that you can then use, you know, across platforms, you know, across vendors actually, right? So customers can look at that as a very, um, you know, a very credible means to, to be able to compare and contrast performance. What we discovered though, when we ran it, and we've been kind of seeing this progressively is that it's it's really an old tool, a little, little long in the tooth. So when we ran our numbers, you know, using SQL Server 2019 with the Data Warehouse Fast Track tool on the Electra 6000, we definitely did prove out increased, uh, increased performance. So that was great. Uh, it, but it wasn't as high as we thought it we we should be seeing, and we realized it was really a function of this old tool on very new technology. And we actually we've seen a, a very analogous thing going on in the exchange world. You know, doing um, you know coming out of that ESRP program, running things like Jet Stress, and realizing that you know that tool has now progressively as as the uh, application has evolved, there's blind spots. So like the tool doesn't even see things like the Metacache database, for instance, on Exchange. And so similar stuff going on with SQL Server. So just to share the numbers with you, we did uh, run them. As I said, we saw the performance increase, which was great, um, over 30% measured query throughput increase, uh, as well as a couple other you know, column store results that were that were positive, which was good. And you know, very, very relevant for you know a data warehouse use uh, SQL Server. Um, and we published that number, and I think we kind of touched upon it at the beginning, right? You've been seeing us out there talking this up in the field and all the various training things we've been doing around the world now over the past uh, month or so. So that's good news. Uh, but the thing is, you know, we realized that, hey, you know, this all NVMe platforms should just be just totally screaming uh, with this, um, you know, with this workload. And so we're actually going to go back and redo the tests, probably a different benchmark, maybe like HammerDB or something. Uh, and so we'll be publishing that. So look, look for that you know, another white paper coming out in, in probably the next month or so. So let's talk about, I don't know if price performance is the word I'm looking for. Maybe it's economics. And, you know, we've come out with these new Electra um, platforms. What, what's, what's the economic benefit that customers who are looking at SQL Server are going to see with this platform? You know, I think price performance is the thing. So we did look at that specifically because we ran the performance tests, as I, as I mentioned. But then I went back and looked at, okay, well, how much more does the new system cost? You expect to be some additional expense to it, right? So when we got the list price, we worked with list prices for the Electra 6070, which is the equipment we got in our lab. That gave us a list price based on the configuration we had and the capacity a little north of like 700,000 uh, versus uh, the comparable Nimble Gen 5. So that would be the AF. 80, so you're comparing similar classes of systems, and that was like high 600s. And so it, um, you know, it penciled out to an additional 10% of this new system. And that's, and by the way, with the new system cost, that includes both the hardware as well as the required, you know, web services component of the cost. Um, so additional 10% cost, right, price, uh, and its performance. We talked about that, right? We we tested out 30%, which we think is really on the low side. And actually, what a customer is going to realize really running it. But even with that, you know, 30 versus 10, you know, 3x price performance gain with the with SQL Server on the new Electra 6000. So compelling economics there, and I think and the real story is actually better. 
I want to give a tip of the hat to HPE GreenLake and have you talk a little bit about that because some great benefits there for customers that want to run platform as a service. What do you guys have with Microsoft SQL Server in a GreenLake environment? You can do that. You can definitely do that. Yeah, I mean, we have a, um, I think with SAP as well, I mean, the, you know, the whole services story is pretty strong with HPE because we've got the Point Next guys who've been doing this stuff forever uh, around SQL Server. It's some of the most you know, mission critical environments uh, on the planet so they can do the, you know, the consulting and the tuning and the and migration, you know, very important to going from earlier versions to newer versions and trying to keep it as non-disruptive as possible. But yeah, the new part of it really is GreenLake. And so I've been engaged with, you know, my, my peers over there and, and they've been offering this already. So you can do, get the infrastructure for SQL Server as a service, uh, anyway, but what we've been engaged with them more recently is to really make it more of a formalized service with actual uh, bill materials, you know, for like small, medium, large, so that, you know, a partner can you know, more quickly engage with a customer and just get them to really reduce that time to solution that much more. So, but absolutely, you can get your SQL Server as a service through HP GreenLake. And we keep coming back to this whole cloud conversation. I think a lot of customers are realizing that maybe the cloud isn't the dream that they thought it was going to be. And a lot of stuff is coming back on-prem, but there's still some customers that want to use cloud. What, where does what we're doing fit within customers who really are looking at a hybrid cloud kind of environment for their, for their applications and workloads? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked it that way because yeah, absolutely not anti-cloud. I've been working out here in the Valley for a long time. And with SQL Server, I guess, let me start here. Um, as, and as I kind of mentioned at the beginning and the customers that are still, that are engaged with us on like, you know, SQL Server on-prem, it's highly mission critical. It'll be one of the last things that they would ever move to the cloud per se. And, and as I've been spending more time with, you know, resellers and customers and going back through, you know, win-loss analysis and stuff, and then and now, you know, engaging with our GreenLake folks, what I'm learning is that particularly for these mission-critical systems, it's like, it's not necessarily a benefit for a customer to say, hey, let's make my infrastructure that much further away from me, you know, off in some remote data center somewhere where I can access. That's, that's not necessarily a benefit. What is a benefit is, you know, can I get this environment and only pay for what I use? That's it's a benefit. That's a very universal benefit, whether it's for SQL Server or anything else. But so that's really what we're delivering uh, when it comes to, to this GreenLake uh, SQL Server as a service. And it's really, it's a PaaS, um, you know, platform as a service offering is really what we're providing. It's, you know, less the licensing. A lot of customers already have that already. It's really the infrastructure where you only get and pay for what you need as you're using it. And so that really gives them the cloud-like benefit that really, you know, as it turns out, that seems to be the big thing that a lot of customers are after. So we can deliver that, but they can still retain the control of the system on-prem, they can therefore like vouch for the you know ongoing performance of that system. They can access it when they need to. They we you know they are getting the guaranteed availability in our case, so they get the those cloud benefits, um, the important ones that they need, you know, for that mission critical critical environment. And there was one other aspect of that, the way you asked that question, what are we doing for a hybrid? Yeah, so actually it's it's definitely a developing story. The things that probably like a few things I can tick off right now. That, you know, that kind of relate to SQL Server. I mean, we're spending time now to develop, uh, we're doing a lot more around Windows Admin Center. So that really is, you know, the the, the new dashboard now around managing Windows environments. So we've got, um, you know, extensions for servers, um, for our Apollo 4000, 4200, as well as our storage arrays. So customers can use this one dashboard to see what's going on, whether it's an Azure or it's on-prem, get it in one view. 
and actually get with because those extensions actually can you know get detailed data right down to the storage array. So that's you know hybrid uh, management, you know cloud management, um, and the other stuff we're doing is really more of a developing story. So uh, things like Azure Stack HCI, which is a very hybrid environment, and you're going to see more customers running more workloads, including SQL Server. Uh, particularly where they're doing it in a container, you're going to see that on Azure Stack HCI, perhaps with you know Azure Arc, which is a, also kind of this um, you know new program from Microsoft, new technology. Um, so very much the ability to be able to manage on-prem uh, applications and environments like SQL Server, but now through Azure Portal and through Windows Admin Center. So there are a number of things, and there's other stuff we're working on as well, kind of still in the lab, but. Uh, that absolutely is uh, a big thought of ours, is really continue this idea of giving customers the benefits of cloud uh, while they also retain what they want to on-prem. And that's, you know, absolutely, it's a it's our Microsoft hybrid cloud story. So you kind of gave a little bit of an insight into things we're working on with Microsoft SQL Server, but there's customers that are considering moving in this direction, they're considering HPE, what are some things that they should keep in mind? And may, I don't know if there's any roadmap things, we gotta be careful of sharing anything that's uh, not public information yet, but give me, give me some considerations for customers at this point. Yeah, well, you know, actually the big thing is less about product roadmaps because SQL Server 2019 is out there and we just launched our all NVMe arrays, so that's out there too. Uh, it's really the the big dates that are, um, you know, really kind of those, you know, kind of, dark clouds on the horizon for customers around SQL Server are the end of support dates coming up. So, and there were a few. Um, so SQL Server 2016 and SQL Server 2017, they're approaching end of mainstream support dates. Um, you know, the SQL Server 2016, so that's coming up this July. Uh, 2017 would be next year. Um, so that's relevant, right? When mainstream support ends. Um, uh, the, probably the bigger one, I'm told this is a, a very big deal, is SQL Server 2012 is ending, is reaching end of extended support next year. And, and I've seen this with other applications with Microsoft. And when you get to end of extended support, that means that product's been out there in the market for 10 years, at least. Um, at that point in time, you, know, you don't get support, you're not getting updates. I mean, all Microsoft will do is when they deem the need to do a security, some sort of security patch they'll push that out. But other than that, it's really a matter of talking to the hand. And so that's a scary situation if, you know, and once again, with our customers, these are all, you know, pretty much business critical or mission critical databases. So you don't want to be in that situation. So that that alone, the SQL Server 2012 end of uh, extended support date coming up is a, a very key date for uh, customers and our partners to be planning around. Well, I know we've covered a lot around SQL Server, but if somebody wants to explore more uh, around what HPE storage is doing, where, where can they find more about uh, SQL Server and HPE storage? Yeah, it's uh, hpe.com slash storage slash Microsoft. And so you'll see information out there on our, uh, not just our SQL Server uh, related solutions, but also on things as I mentioned, Windows Automation, Exchange, right? So Exchange and Apollo, and then also uh, this whole kind of growing area of Azure, Azure Stack, Azure Stack HCI, and just uh, general kind of hybrid solutions we're doing uh, with our stuff and uh, Microsoft. Well, as we end, let's also let people know where to find you on Twitter. They can find you as M-H-A-R-D-I-0-1. And hopefully that'll be life-changing for you today. Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast, Mike. This is good stuff. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. I love it. Changed my life. <laughs>
With this now being an official HPE podcast, you will no longer be able to find new episodes on TalkShoe. You can find the podcast on Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Podcast Attic. Hopefully you'll find it soon on iTunes, and if you really struggle to find it, go to feeds.transistor.fm slash around-the-it-block. Love hearing from you on Twitter, where you can find me as Calvin Zito. You can find our blogs at community.hpe.com. Until next time, thanks for joining me.